Every time I listen to him speaking about the apostolic and the prophetic and the way he broke it down tonight, it is just profound. You, you are so blessed to have Pastor Brown. Um, I almost, I was sitting there and I thought to myself, is there any chance that they could have recorded that? Because I would like to listen to that again. That is so, he has done it so brilliantly. The only thing that I don't understand about God is that God hides him here in Arkansas. Because um, that, what he just shared tonight, can be shared from uh, some of the greatest platforms where I minister, especially in the upper room. If, if I could get him there, I will let him share specifically on that because it is profound the way he does it. He has a brilliant understanding of the apostolic prophetic, and you guys are blessed to have him as your pastor. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it is amazing. Um, before we're going to go into the Word, I ask Pastor per, 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 per permission, and I hope I'm not overplaying my hand here because uh, he really took a long time to receive the offering, and that's the only thing I have against him that uh, I'm just teasing. I... I, I just thought to myself, man, this man can preach the whole night. I want to listen to the apostolic prophetic and his insight because I'm always a speaker. But it's not every day that you hear somebody else break it down so brilliantly. Um, but what I want to do tonight is I want to ask people, uh, and then we're going to go into the Word. And I promise you, you're going to be blessed tonight. Um, I think some of the people is probably not here because of the storm. Uh, or a storm coming through, I believe. Um, but I want to ask a few of you that if you are willing to partner with our ministry for two months again this year, uh, some of you probably know that I fly to South Africa and then Southern Africa. There's a difference between South Africa and Southern Africa. Uh, and our tickets is booked now for June this year, and we had about four trips canceled because of COVID. But I think all indications is we're going to fly in June, and I will be there for six weeks ministering north, south, east, west. It's going to be winter, but winter in South Africa is different than winter in America. So I can minister there, and that's a good thing. But if you can partner with us for two months, just for the month of June and July, and I thank you for your precious time, would you be so kind to fill in a little card tonight and just put in a little number that you feel that you can contribute? You will, hear, you will get mail from us regarding that. Uh, you will get a welcome letter within a week, and then you will get a letter June and July, and you will not hear from us again. You will get your tax credit next year. Uh, if there is a mount on my card and your faith is a little bit bigger than my mount, uh, we will not be offended. Um, and uh, you can just fill in the blank. There is a little blank. Um, just remember that the number you, that you put in is monthly. So if you want to give $5 a month, put in five, and we will know that's for two months. Now, um, is there some of these young men that can quickly help me with these cards um, I really expected the pastor's son to jump up, but now she is first. Um, uh, just bring me back my little rubber band, okay? Uh, otherwise, th those cards will be all over the place in my suitcase. Um, 
You will notice that on the right-hand side of the card, there's a piece that you can tear off. Just put it in your Bible. But this is just to help us to go to South Africa. Um, I plan in the future to go longer periods. I will, I'm planning to even go three months at a time so that I can minister and use our air tickets productively and not go there for two weeks and spend all the money on air tickets and you, you cannot really minister effectively. So if you want a card, just raise your hand. They're going to give it to you. And would you be so kind to fill it in right now? And the moment you're done, we're going to pick it up from you and um, thank you so much. If you come after the service and you feel like, hey, Brother Andre, I made a mistake by filling in that card. Come to me. I'll give you back your card and I'll give you a nice kiss, uh, a brotherly hug, kiss, whatever. Um, my intention is to rather leave with your friendship uh, and not your money. Because honestly, if I find out that you made a mistake by doing it, I will not sleep well tonight. But if you want to fill in the card, you're more than welcome. Thank you so much. Please write in English, not Greek or Hebrew. And um, uh, brother, if you can just uh, help me with the pickup of the cards again and just keep the ones that's filled in separate. Make sure you tear off that little piece right at the end. Uh, thank you so much. Jojo, I see your precious wife is filling in the card. I hope she has your approval. And, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah. Well, when you, as you fill in the card today, Pastor took me for lunch at a restaurant here on the, on the mountaintop. And wow, was that good. I insisted that he take me there again when I come back in the future. And I drove down the, the mountain, and it was misty and, and rainy, and it reminded me of Cape Town, South Africa. And uh, I just enjoyed it. I drove slowly because I want to enjoy the scenery. It's so beautiful. So enjoy the place where you live. You live in a great area. It's very relaxing. I like your restaurants. It's a little bit rough, and, and, and <laughs> but the food is excellent. <laughs> okay. If you're done with your little card, would you raise your hand, brother, and he's going to pick it up, or can somebody else help me um, just pick up all these cards? I want to thank you. I, when Pastor spoke so beautifully about the offering, I actually felt, Lord, maybe I should not receive, do this card thing. We take too much time now. But um, thank you for your time anyhow. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. And... Um, yeah, that's Shane's son. I notice him. Brother, promise me that uh, you will not grow any further in the next 12 months because uh, <laughs> uh, and get taller, but that's a big young man. Great potential. Great potential in him. Amen? Uh, okay. We're almost there, and then I'm going to start with the Word and uh, just minister the Word. Amen? Praise the Lord. Chevy, can you do me a favor and just give me that little gray jacket here? Uh, I am probably eccentric, but uh, I feel a little windier from the air condition. And I've learned my lesson over the years that, especially my younger days, when I start to sweat, I don't want air condition on me. So um, I'm putting this on just to uh, make sure. Amen. Okay, so everybody finished? Uh, is anybody still writing their little card? Thank you. You're done, ma'am. This block, you're all done? 
Amen. Shane, did you fill in a card? Okay, I just want to double check on you. <laughs> and anybody in this block, you're still busy? Everybody finished? Finished? I think everybody's done. Thank you so much. Give yourself a good hand. And, um, you know, the devil knows my name, but he always calls me by my sin. Jesus knows my sin, but he always calls me by my name. And tonight we're going to talk about catch Peter. But every time you hear the name Peter, you must hear your own name. Tonight I'm going to talk about how the prompting of the Holy Spirit will never leave you alone and he will constantly call your name. Come on. Um, tonight you're going to hear the name Peter a lot. And again, every time you hear the, the name Peter, it's because the focus is on Peter. But the Holy Spirit is so brilliant that he will turn that into your name because that's, that's what he does. So I want to talk to you tonight about Catch Peter. Now, before I'm going to go to uh, a few scriptures here, I want to start with Matthew 16, verse 15 to 18, and you've heard this many times before. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? This is now Jesus speaking. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, if that question was asked today, we know the answer. But for Peter to give that answer was brilliant because those were the days when Jesus appeared on the earth as the Son of God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So here is a phenomenal thing happening. Jesus said, and on this rock, I will build my church. Now, the name Peter means rock. But when Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church, it's not really on the name Peter. It is on the revelation. You see, it's not everybody that know Jesus that know him as Christ revealed. Jesus can just be another name, but Peter said, you are this Christ. You are the son of the living God. And when Jesus said, on that revelation, I will build my church, that tells me that it's, it's hard to build a New Testament church without revelation knowledge. And we must have revelation knowledge in order to build a strong church. And many churches is built on information, but it is still just information. You can read the Bible and it is still information, but the Holy Spirit must make it a revelation. So now we, we are dealing with Peter. The, the name is Peter. The prompting is Peter. The focus is Peter. 
But before I'm going to go to Luke 5, where Jesus got a grip on Peter, I want to give you just a brief rundown of the man Peter. And then I'm going to give you a glimpse into the future Peter. You see, this whole thing is a prophetic picture of you and me. The Andre van Sale of old and the new Andre van Sale. And then we need to have a look and see, but where, where did the change come? Because Shane, the old Shane and the new Shane is two different people. Come on. But somewhere in the middle, something must have happened. Now, Peter. Peter was rash, hasty, and an irritable man. Come on, I'm giving you a breakdown of the, of the negative things about him. He was a man of anger, and at times he was firm and loving. How can you be ang angry and then a man of anger, and then you're firm, and then you're loving? Again, he was hasty. He was irritable. He had a certain temperament, and Jesus was focusing on him. When you go to Luke chapter 22, and we're not going to go into all these scriptures, we notice that Peter denied Jesus three times. Openly denied him. This is Peter. When we go to Matthew chapter 14, although he walked on water, Jesus called him a man of little faith. Come on. I know, I know some of you say, well, how can Jesus do such a humiliating thing and call such an incredible man a man of little faith? Well, Jesus called him a man of little faith. Faith, but little. <laughs> In Matthew 15, Peter is the one who mistreated foreigners. You remember, he was one of the guys that if, if you want your ear to be safe, stay away from Peter. He was a dangerous guy. But, but, but in Matthew 15, he mistreats foreigners. You know, just a few things that I've said about Peter thus far, he will never get credentials in the assemblies of God. In Matthew 26, we found out when Jesus wanted him to pray, he didn't pray. Yeah. He didn't pray. In Mark chapter 10, we find out a very, very, very sensitive thing about this man. He did not care for children. Right there, he failed absolutely to be a pastor, let alone a children's pastor. He failed the children. He did not care for the children there. And you can, you can read all of these scriptures for yourself. And then... When, when you look at Luke chapter 5, and we're going to go to Luke chapter 5 in a few minutes, you will notice that he was a man who had a tax problem. Come on. Didn't pay his taxes. Romans were coming after him. That's Peter. When you go to the book of Acts, you find out that the Bible talks about him as the chief apostle. Wow. Now he's the chief apostle. How did that happen? 
Most of the time when the Bible talks about the 12 disciples, his name is mentioned first. The name Peter is mentioned first. On, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, you know what happened there. He was the speaker. He was the preacher of the day. 3,000 came to the Lord. This irritable man of anger, mistreated children, not good with foreigners, is now the speaker on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 came to the Lord. In Acts chapter 3, it was the hour of prayer, and people went to the temple, and everybody went into the temple, but there was a man at the gate of the temple, paralyzed, and they put the man at the gate to ask arms. The Bible is very clear. They brought him to the hour of prayer to ask money. Peter showed up at the gate, and he said to the man, silver and gold, I don't have. Because Peter knew he was sitting at the gate for the sake of, for the purpose of getting money. And Peter said, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what you need. And he, he said to him, I don't have money, but what I do have is in the name of Jesus. So Peter knew what he had, and he also knew what he doesn't have. He resurrected the man, and basically God used him to clean up the gate of the temple. And I don't want to preach about that because and only an apostolic anointing can clean up the gates of the temple. That's a word for another day. Then you find him that he's writing first and second Peter. And there's many other scripture references where you will find Peter very prominent. But he's the chief apostle. So you have, you have this rundown of him that's not good. And then you find him in the book of Acts, and he's this phenomenal leader. And the question is, but how did it happen? Now, when you go to Luke chapter 5, you will find Peter. He's always the instigator. He's always the plan maker. He's always the one who leads the pack. And now he's a fisherman, and Jesus decided, I need to catch this man. I have, an, I, have a, I have a great plan for him because Christ was, he was God, Jesus, when Jesus was on the earth, he was God and man. And Jesus already knew what the future looked like. And Jesus decided, I'm going to get a grip on Peter and I'm going to get a grip on him in his own boat. I'm going to catch him in his everyday life. Bible says in Luke 5 verse 2, and Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake. Fishermen had gone washing their nets. It's an everyday picture of somebody that had a bad day. Jesus saw it. You'll be amazed how many of your everyday pictures is a, a picture that Jesus already took notice of. He saw two boats standing by the lake, fishermen gone, washing their nets, and Jesus must have said to himself, this is the moment I waited for. I'm not going to get a hold of him in the temple. 
I'm going to catch him in his own boat. And the Bible says he got into one of the boats, which he got into one of the boats. So there's two boats, but one of the boats, which was Simon's. He got into Simon Peter's boat. Intentional, not by accident. This was all intentional. He got into the boat and he asked them to put out a little bit into the water so that he can speak, so that he can speak over the water. Now you must understand. The boat was, was, was designed to catch fish. The boat was a man-made idea. But here we have Jesus, the Son of God, and he got into a man-made idea, and he's saying to Peter, would you allow me to turn your business just for a moment into a pulpit? I know that your boat was designed to catch fish but I want to use your boat and turn it into uh, something that I need for my kingdom. You see, God got into Peter's world, and now he's teaching the world about his kingdom from Peter's kingdom. Now, we're not going to go into the detail there because wood speaks of humanity. And Jesus is in the boat, and he taught the people about his kingdom. And verse 4 says, when he stopped speaking, he's now done. Peter gave him the boat because Peter had a bad day. And Jesus said to him, launch into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So now Jesus is saying to Peter, thank you for allowing me to teach about my kingdom from your kingdom but now, let's take your boat and let's take it for what it was built for and let down your nets for a catch. Now, the, the word catch means to capture alive. How many of you know that great fishermen sometimes always talks about that one that slipped away? But with Jesus in the boat, he's going to give you a grip on something that slipped out of your hands yesterday. He said to Peter, let's lay down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, now that's typical flesh and blood. We always want to give God our opinion of what he just said we should do. We always have a moment of whining and complaining as if he doesn't know you had a bad day because he saw your boat standing by the lake like fishermen gone washing. You already know you had a bad day. And that's why he insisted, let's go for a catch. And Peter said, we have told all night and we caught nothing. Nevertheless, it's your word. I will lay down the net. Now, I don't want to talk too much detail here because Jesus said, take nets. Peter took one net right there. You can preach for half an hour. Don't change the word just because your faith level is not where it should be. Okay. And um, uh, I will lay down on it. And when they had done this, <coughs> this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net, singular, is now breaking. Why? Because Jesus is El Shaddai, which means more than enough. So with him and the boat, you're always going to catch more than what you can handle. 
Okay. So the Bible says they, they catch a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. So now the provision of God is heavier than their ability to carry. You see, God's provision will always over... You cannot have Yeshua in your life and you're not sinking because of His goodness. It is the weight of His provision that made the boat sink. And, uh, but now the, the Bible tells me that both the boats sink. But the Bible also tells me that they never drown. So somehow God will never provide what you cannot carry, but miraculously He will help you to bring it to the land. But that's not what I want you to see. Verse 8 says, when Simon Peter saw it. Can you see the name Simon Peter pop up all the time? The other disciples is there as well, but it's Simon Peter's name that is prominent. And there are seasons in your life and my life where you will feel like, how does God know my name? Because for some reason, he is busy talking to me, and I cannot get rid of the prompting of the Holy Spirit in my life. The Bible says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees in the boat, and he said, depart from me, I am a sinner. Nobody preached sin. Nobody confessed scriptures. They're in the water. They're in the ocean. But Peter saw provision on such a level that him as a fisherman was taken by surprise. God can surprise you in your own profession with provision you did not even know exist. Come on. But, but, but here is the point. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down and he confessed sin. And um, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. They couldn't believe. You must understand, when they, when they went out to catch fish the first time, it was the right time. The tide was good. When Jesus said, let's go and catch fish, it was actually the wrong time. You cannot just go into the ocean anytime to catch. You need to know the, the seasons of the ocean. The ocean has certain ways and, and certain seasons, high water, low water. This is the only thing I know about fishing. I grew up at the ocean. But Jesus can make your life work at the wrong time of the day, at the wrong season. Why? Just because he's involved. But, but they were astonished, and, and also with James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. They were partners with Simon. So Simon was the master business brain. He had the bigger boat, and Jesus decided, I'm going to catch the big brain amongst them all. 
I have a future for him, and I'm going to get a hold of him, and I'm going to catch him in the midst of his own fish. Now watch this. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, verse 10. From now on, you will catch men. Now, there's three catches. They caught the fish, and Jesus said, you will now catch men. You see, Jesus is Jewish. He knows how to raise the money for missions. So, immediately, Jesus connect earthly fish with the, the, the commission to catch men. But there's, there's another catch. Jesus went into their world, into their boat, and he helped them to catch the fish. And now he's going to tell them about how they will catch men. But before he will teach them how to catch men, Jesus decided, I need to catch Peter. Remember, Jesus knew he's the chief apostle in the book of Acts. Jesus knew the future. Jesus is prophetic. Jesus knew he's the preacher on the day of Pentecost. And Jesus knew his mission is coming to an end on the earth. And Jesus knew I'm going to help him to catch fish, this irritable man of anger. I'm going to make him a fisher of men. But I'm going to give him a catch of ordinary fish on such a level that when I give it to him, I will catch him. There's three catches. They caught the fish. Jesus caught Peter and the disciples. But first and foremost, he caught his chief apostle. He did not know when Jesus got a hold of him that day. And, 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 and then Jesus said, now we're going to catch men. You see, that was the beginning. The beginning of your greatest journey into the future will always start in the midst of your ordinary life experiences where you are trying to sell glass. Is that what you sell? I know you're nervous now. I'm not prophesying. So enjoy your business. God will always get a hold of you in the midst of your everyday fish activities because he already sees you somewhere else in the future and he's not afraid of your anger. He's not afraid of you being an irritable person. Jesus is now resurrected from the dead. And uh, his ministry is coming to an end. And now we're going to go to John chapter 21. And in John chapter 21, we're going to see the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples. Between the resurrection and the ascension, there's 40 days. Why did God not allow the ascension to happen three days after resurrection? Because God, the Father, had to allow 40 days so that enough people will see Jesus being resurrected 
so that no devil and no liar out of the pit of hell can come years later and say, we've never seen him after his resurrection. No, sir. God made sure there's enough days where he will be seen. And in John chapter 21, and you will notice that John 21 is the final chapter before the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the birthing of the new church, the New Testament church. Acts chapter 2 is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So now we need to watch every move Jesus makes in John 21. Come on, church. I feel like we have another John 21 season where God is going to do profound things in the church and we're going to have incredible breakfast moments with Jesus because there's another outpouring of the Holy Spirit coming. Are you getting the message here? So let's go to John chapter 21. And after these things, verse 1, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way he showed himself. Verse 2, Simon Peter, there's the name again. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples were together. But can you see what happened there? The name Simon Peter is first. Come on. God doesn't care how you have messed up. There comes a time in your life that you will hear your name first. You will hear your name so prominent that you will almost think like, why is he just focusing on me? And Simon Peter was mentioned. And verse 3 says, and Simon Peter said to them. He's vocal. He's loud. He's outgoing. He doesn't think before he says things. He normally says things before he, that's him. I like it. God loves it. God, Jesus was attracted to him. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. Uh, can you see his temperament? Uh, watch, watch this. And they said to him, we're going with you also. You see, he was the guy who always stirred up things. And it's those guys that nobody can control that Jesus said, I love it. I love it. I'm going to use him in the future. And... Uh, and they went out immediately and got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. <laughs> oh, God loves it when you catch us nothing. Because that will give him a gap. Come on. Uh, but when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Remember, they are catching fish. Jesus is not in that boat. But it's morning. And when the morning came, they saw there's somebody standing on the shore. It was Jesus. God knows where you are hiding. God knows where you're doing your last, you're catching your fish. He knows exactly what, to short, what shores to show up. Come on. And uh, it was morning and Jesus stood there and Jesus said to them, Children! I think he spoke a little bit louder because they're on the, on the water. Children, do you have any food? I love it when Jesus starts the conversations with food. Come on. Jesus must have been Pentecost because he loved food. 
And they answered him, and they said, no. Why? Because they caught nothing. Now watch this. And he said to them, cast the net to the right side. Oh, man. Can you believe that sometimes we miss the greatest blessings just by casting to the wrong side? Your blessing is closer to you, but God allow you to catch nothing so that he can get a hold of you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, cast to the right side of the boat, and you will find some, and they cast, and now they were not able to draw it. You see, every time Jesus gets involved, they catch more than what they can handle. You will never see that they, they just catch barely enough because you cannot have Christ in your life and everything is just barely enough. No, it's El Shaddai. It's more than enough. Okay, thank you for your excitement. So they cast, and they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, now watch this, watch this. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, remember, they are still in the water. They are still in the water. Said to Peter, it is the Lord. Remember, it's the third time he appears to them. Remember, Jesus is now resurrected. They have a, a special reference for him now. The marks in his hands is still very visible. And when Simon Peter, Simon Peter, we cannot get rid of that name. That name pop up all the time. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it. <laughs> now he wants to hide and show him, show Jesus how holy he is and he will not catch fish without his garment on. Oh, come on. Jesus already saw he was in the boat without his top garment. God knows everything about you. Don't act as if you're holy when you're not really. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about other people in other churches. Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, and he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. Nobody else plunges into the sea. It's just Peter. God says, I think he must have said to himself, you can plunge a hundred times, young man. I'm focused on you. You're my chief apostle. You just don't know what I have in store for you. You are a denier. You don't pray. You're irritable. But you and I, we're going to have a final talk before it's all over. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but they, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. So now they saw a fire. Who made the fire? Jesus. Jesus, and Jesus had fish on the coals. And the Bible says, and bread. Jesus loves Fish and toast. It's obvious bread on coals is toast. Not French toast, Galilean toast. Jerusalem toast, whatever you want to call it. Jesus said to them, watch what Jesus said. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have caught. I mean, bring some of that fish that you have caught caught. I mean, half an hour ago, they caught nothing. 
But Jesus is so kind, he will talk to you as if you caught all that fish, knowing he just helped you to catch it, standing on the shore. Aren't you glad that God gives you the honor of catching it, but you know it's not really you, it's him. Simon Peter went up to drag the net to the land. Simon Peter went up. Simon Peter, there's the name again, dragged the uh, it to the net full of large fish, 153, 153. And do you know what? This was all tilapias. It was not salmon. It was tilapias. Yeah, it was tilapia. And uh, they caught all these fish. And the net was not broken. The net was not broken. Why does the Bible say the net was not broken? According to what they knew that net can handle, it should have been broken. That's why the Bible specifically says the net was not broken. It's a miracle. God can help you to catch things that you are not really capable of hanging on to. How many of you are ready for Yeshua moments where you will make catches of things in everyday life that you will have to admit, I don't know how this happened, but it happened. Come on, Jojo. And it will say, Jojo could not get this, but he got it. Yeah. The net. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Oh, I love it. Breakfast. Oh. So now Jesus invites them. He says, come, guys. Let's do breakfast. Be careful. Be careful. God will never invite you for breakfast just to have tilapia and toast. You see, he will, he will bring you into the circle for the sake of tilapia and toast, but there's a bigger picture. It's not really about your toast, and it's not really about your fishes, and it's not really about your money and your houses and your cars. There's something bigger. Come on. But he will, he will, he will get you in based on the fish and the toast. Oh, there's nothing like the smell of toast on the coals and fish. Oh, I love fish. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love breakfast outside in the coals. Naomi and I do coals. We, we have what we call poikikos. That's South African dish. It's like a stew and you do it for five hours outside on live coals. and You get, you get different kinds of stews. Poikikos. It's not the, the, the traditional American stew. It's great. It's great. I wish I was there, but to be honest with you, when I read that chapter further on, a little bit later, I said, Lord, I'm so glad I was not in John chapter 21 at the breakfast. Watch this. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. And now it was the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus Jesus, remember, they're sitting around the fire. Remember, it's John 21. I'm not sure. This could be three days, four days, five days before the ascension. I don't know. All I know is it's the final chapter of John 21. All I know is it's the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples. All I know is Acts chapter 1 
Acts chapter 21 is coming. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is coming. Things are going to happen fast now. And Jesus decided, I want to spend breakfast with my disciples. I remember when we went to Bible school those days, and when before we go into the ministry, they call you in, and they will say to you, how do you know that you are called? How did God call you? They ask you tough questions before they allow you to go into the ministry because they want to make sure that you answer the right questions. And here we have a similar situation. Jesus is now going to leave the earth, and Jesus realized these men around the breakfast here is the men that will be the pioneers of the church into the future. And when God looked through Peter and through John and through Mark and through Luke, he saw Lee Brown and Sherry Brown. He saw you and you and you. Come on. He saw into the 22nd century. Come on. He's God. He knows the future. And Jesus saying, Jesus is sitting, sitting there at the fire, and when he had broken uh, they had breakfast. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, why does he not talk to the other disciples? Why does he mention the name of Simon? I think Simon probably said, oh, God, help me. Remember, Simon knew he came out of the tomb. He was resurrected. I denied him. I'm the man of anger. I cut the ears. I'm irritable. And I just, I just dived into the water because my, my outer garment was off. Now I'm sitting and he got me. I ate the tilapia. I ate the toast. And now he's asking me questions. And he mentioned my name. I'm nervous. I'm irritable. I cannot pay my taxes. Thank God we caught a lot of fish. When the Romans come, I can pay them. But before I can handle the Romans, I need to handle this man, Jesus, who came out of the tomb. We're doing breakfast, and he's talking to me, and he said to him, Yes, Lord. Jesus said to him, Do you love me? What a question. Do you love me? Do you love me? Why does he ask me a question? Do you love me? I'm going to answer him. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And I think Peter said in his heart, thank God. I've answered him well. I wonder who is he going to ask the next, next question. I hope it's John. He, need to, he needs to answer some questions. How about Mark and Luke and John? Oh, come on. Don't ask me another question. Thank God. I wish I could leave now and go and sell the fish and pay my taxes. I'm out of it. And he said to him a second time, verse 16, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of Jonah, Simon, 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 why do I hear my name all the time? Why doesn't he leave me alone? Why is he messing with me all the time? He calls me all the time. Doesn't he know that I don't qualify? He knows who I am. 
He, 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 he knows that I denied. He knows about the foreigners. He knows about the children. He knows everything about me. Why does he ask me these questions? What is he, he going to ask me now? Second question. Do you love me? I think Peter now got nervous. Why does he ask me the same question twice? I'm not that stupid. Doesn't he realize he's asking me the same question twice? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him the third time, Simon, Simon, Simon. Simon was the only one he talked to. There comes a time in your life that you feel like, leave me alone. Why do you bother me all the time, Holy Spirit? Why are you on my case all the time? Have you ever had that kind of experience where you try to get rid of the voice of God, but you cannot? Come on, Jojo. He's doing the same. He asked him the third time, Simon, do you love me? Now, listen to this. Three times Jesus asked, do you love me? Actually, when you read it, there is a word play. Everybody say word to play. When you read the English, you think it's the same question. It's not the same question. In the original language, Jesus actually asked him, do you agape me? But Peter is asking, Peter is thinking, is for, for, uh, for, how do you pronounce that word in, in the Greek? Phileo? Phileo love. Now listen to this. What is phileo love? Phileo love is to be fascinated with someone. Jesus knew that. And Jesus knew that Peter was fascinated with Jesus. But he still denied him. He was fascinated with Jesus, but he still did not pray. You see, when you, are fa when, you, when you love Jesus with fascinating love, phileo love, you will not die for him. Because agape love will die for Christ. But phileo love will not die for Christ. Phileo love will love him because they are fascinated with Jesus. But when the pressure comes, they will deny. May God help America. That we are not, not so fascinated with Christ, fascinated with the praise and worship, fascinated with good preaching, fascinated with the message of the cross. But when we need to pay the highest price, we find out we never agape. There is a word play right there in the original language. It's not the same love. When Jesus said, do you love me? He's actually saying, do you agape me? Because Peter, previously, you phileo me. And that kind of love has no depth. Oh, many times when God calls your name, it's because... Jesus, in chapter 21, Jesus knew, Peter, 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 I want to make sure, how do you love me? But because Peter, 
in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, you are the chief apostle. Peter, you just don't know. Peter, you just don't know. Peter, Peter, I know you are fascinated with me. But Peter, when the Holy Spirit comes over you in second, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, Peter, you're going to change into a different man. And you will become the chief apostle. That's why we cannot have church without the Holy Spirit. That's why we cannot abort the Holy Spirit out of the church in America because the American church is fascinated with Christ, but I'm not sure they will die for Christ. Oh, my goodness, church. Are you with me? Here is the good news. Peter never, never denied Jesus again. Peter always prayed. Peter believed. Peter cared for foreigners. Peter cared for children. Peter was crucified upside down. You say, what made him the chief apostle? What transformed him? You see, when Jesus caught him in Luke 5 in that boat, he got enough of Peter into his hands and he realized, I'm going to focus on this man, Peter. I'm, I'm going to bombard him. I'm going to call on him. I'm going to multiply his fish. I'm, I, I need to have one more breakfast with him in John chapter 21. I, I, I hope I can pin him down at the breakfast table. I, I, I'm going to give him so much fish the second time. I'm going I'm to allow him to catch so much fish so that he will have no option but to come to the breakfast table. But at the breakfast table, I will talk to him about the greatest power the world has ever seen. And it's not nuclear power. It's not Putin power. It's the power of agape love. When I study the scriptures and I see who he was and what he became, I say, Lord, thank you for breakfast. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will move me from, from being fascinated with you to a point where I will say, by your grace, I'm willing to die for you. How many of you would love to make sure that you are not just fascinated with him. But when you leave the breakfast table, you will say, Lord, thank you for the tilapia and thank you for the toast. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 came to the Lord and when they want to crucify him and he said, don't crucify me the way they crucified Jesus. Crucified me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified like Jesus. I think Peter heard himself talk and I think Peter must have said, that's not me. That's not who I was. I was the man of anger. I was the man who was irritable. I was the man who didn't care for foreigners. I did not treat the children right. I denied him. How did I get to this point where I say, crucify me upside down? Peter, Peter, 
Now you will understand why he started with your boat and why he started with your fishes. But he's not going to end with your boat and your fishes. He's going to transform you into a man and a woman that will take a stand. Come on. You cannot all be preachers. You cannot all be apostles and prophets. But you can take a stand. And phileo love will not take a stand. I've met many people. It's, it's, it's the, the river is shallow. You know, Facebook is a shallow river. There's a lot of activity, but it's shallow. And sometimes I think the church in America is shallow because we are fascinated. We have smoke machines, and we shake our hair. Oh, I've seen it all. Ah, we do, do the guitar thing. And sometimes our worship becomes a show. I travel a lot. I like music. I have an ear for music. I've put together a whole praise team based on my ear for music in South Africa. We cut an LP in those days, you know, a long playing record. We had an LP. Most of you have no clue what I'm talking about. I know. <laughs> but you know what? Many times when I look at the worship and I see all the movement that we make and how we all, how we play that guitar, and I say, is it about the guitar? Is it about how I throw my hair? Or is it about agape? Am I fascinated? When Jesus asked him that love question, Jesus said, Peter, I know I irritate you, Peter. Peter, I know you are probably irritated with me because that's who you are. You are such an irritation to yourself, Peter. And I know, Peter, you just want to get away from this breakfast. But, Peter, if you know how I see you in the future, you will thank me for making sure that you don't phileo me anymore, but you agape me. Because, Peter... I'm not going to leave you alone. I see you in the future. Peter, I see how you will write First Peter and Second Peter to the church. Peter, I see you as the chief apostle. Peter, your name will be mentioned in a way that the other disciples' names will not be mentioned. Peter, Peter, remember that day, Peter, when I saw your boat? Oh, and you had a bad day. That was my opportunity, Peter, because I knew I better start to focus on you, Peter, because my time is running out on the earth. Come on, church. You came to the wrong meeting tonight. He's going to invite you to breakfast. He's not going to leave you alone. And all he wants you to do is take a stand. <laughs> when Jesus caught him that day in Luke 5, Jesus knew, I've got him. <laughs> oh, I remember when I was in my 20s and God called me. Oh, man, I was ready. 
And oh, I remember when I was young, and I said, oh, when I prayed, when God called me that day, I said, God, you can send me wherever you want to send me. Send me, Jesus. I'm ready to go. I was 18 years old. I had no clue what I said. And then when Jan Painter came and I was youth pastor in South Africa, actually I just became the national youth director. I was 18 months in ministry and Jan Painter came. She had long blonde hair. She was a hairdresser, long pink nails. She didn't wear a hat those days. Those days you had to have a hat if you're a woman. Here she comes, long pink nails, and she calls me out. She says, that young man in the back there, will you come here please? She came from, she came from Kentucky. Jan Painter, she was a hairdresser, and God raised her up as a prophetess. She could prophesy. And as I walked down, she said, oh, young man, hmm. when I look at you, I see a plane. You're going to fly a lot, young man. You're going to go to Australia, America. You're going to fly and fly and fly, and you will come home, and you will be so exhausted. And then she said this, she said, and enjoy the things, you know, like a woman, enjoy the things that God has given you. I had a jet ski those days. I was an ocean guy. I, 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 I was on, 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 on the waves with my jet ski, man. I had a sea do, and when we go to the lake, I will pull Naomi, and she will ski. I could not ski to save my life. When I got onto the skis, I go like a submarine, and they better stop that thing because I will drown so I decided, I will drive the sea to you can ski. Okay. So Jan said, enjoy the things that God has given you. For there will come a day that you will fly, 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 and you will be so exhausted. And I said, oh, come on, Jesus. Bring on, bring on that plane, my God. I want to fly, fly, fly. Hallelujah. Now I'm flying. I'm flying for the last 25, 30 years. I, can't, I don't want to fly anymore, and I'm flying again tomorrow morning. I sold my jet ski when I was in South Africa. I sold it to my brother-in-law. Great jet ski. Well, they took it to the ocean. and They forgot to put the plugs back at the, at the back, and they went into the ocean, and the whole thing sank. They lost the whole jet ski. I said, Jesus, should not have given them my jet ski. I thought they are going to enjoy the things that I was supposed to enjoy I never had a jet ski again. Be careful. When he get a hold of you, you're not going to see your jet ski again. Peter. Peter. Enjoy your fishes. Enjoy the tilapia. Because Peter, <laughs> when I'm done with you, church, I know what it feels like. I hope this helps you tonight. Everybody say, I, agape God. Don't worry. You will not die for Christ. I know some of you say, oh, God, I want to agape you, but God, I'm a, I, 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 please, God, I don't want to be crucified upside down. Let me give you a good word. Most probably, not one of you will ever be crucified for Christ. You're living in America. You're pretty safe. So, Cheer up. Cheer up. But all I want to say is never underestimate the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
Because God is preparing you for something that He's not preparing me for. And He's preparing me for something that's different than what He has in mind for you. Why are you here on a Monday night in spite of a storm? Because the prompting of the Holy Spirit was so strong that not even the weather forecast could keep you away. Come on. It is the prompting of the Holy Spirit that brought you here on a Monday night because it's stronger than the threat of a tornado. That's why you are here, Jojo. That's why you are here, my friend. That's why you are listening. That's why you guys drove an hour plus. It's because the prompting of the Holy Spirit brought you here. Amen? The prompting of the Holy Spirit brought you. Pastor told me that he says, my children is coming. I asked him, how long do they drive? And he gave me the estimate of how long you drive. It's not really, Brother Andre. It is about the God in me. You knew that I'm going to preach about him. But what you did not realize is he's prompting you for a long time now. And now you've heard a word tonight that is saying to you, his mission is completed. Your next chapter is about to begin. Peter, Peter, you are a different man in the book of Acts. Peter, I know you feel uncomfortable here at the breakfast. Some of you feel uncomfortable tonight as I speak. Am I irritating you? No. It's him. Because God is not done with you. God is not done with each one of you. And you need to thank the Lord for it. You need to thank, and I know I'm speaking too long. What's the time? 8.49. It's just before 9. You need to thank God for the prompting. Because the prompting is a good sign that God sees you in the future. God is not going to prompt you tonight to fail tomorrow. He's, he's, there's a prompting of the Holy Spirit in you because you have Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4, 5, 6, and then, you, then you're going to have 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Come on, some of you have chapters to write. Some of you have missions to complete. Some of you have job descriptions in the Holy Spirit. And it's not outside of the city. It could be in the city. Don't, again, I want to emphasize it. You don't need to do what I do. But man, oh man, am I a different person than what I was in my 20s. I know I need to stop. I went to, uh, uh, three years ago, I went to South Africa and I got an invitation to a barbecue. South African bride. South Africans are known for good barbecues, brides, lamb chops, burrowors, nice, good food, steaks. And I went to this barbecue, Naomi and I, it was another pastor friend of mine who started with me in my younger days. And when I got to the, to the, to the barbecue, there was another gentleman who was a great leader in South Africa that I've never met in my whole life. He knew about me and I knew about him. And here we met after all these years at a barbecue. 
He's already done with ministry. I'm still traveling the world. This man was a keynote speaker in South Africa, very well known. To be honest with you, I will call him the blue-eyed boy of our denomination. He had it together. I was the one who followed the Joseph Road, the Detour Road. I was the guy that had a Holy Ghost smack prophetic thing on me. Different. I, I chose a complete different road. For years in my thinking, he was the guy. For years I thought, you need to have what he has. We got to the barbecue. He saw me, and suddenly we ate, and then he started to talk to me. He says, sir, Andre, I have watched you. I've watched you since our early days. Do you remember, Andre? You were the youth pastor in a certain church, and I was the youth pastor in another church, and they actually brought me in as a counterfeit for your ministry because you were attracting all the young people, and we hired the civic center to get all the young people in. And he started telling me about my life. And he said, Andre, but I've watched you. He said, at certain times, you made very difficult decisions in your ministry, and we guys in the system, we thought you made a horrible mistake. And then just after you make your decisions, we notice you're going to another level, and then you go to another level, and then you go to another level, and here you are today. You are preaching in America now for so many years. You travel the world. He says, and where am I? I am out of the ministry. I have no voice anymore. And he, he gave me a picture of my life that I never knew. They are watching me for 20, 30, 35 years. And when he gave me that synopsis, that picture, is that right what I say, synopsis? When he gave me that picture of myself, I, the Holy Spirit said to me, listen, listen, listen. I said, God, wow, wow. He just told me what I looked like in their eyes, and I realized when God get a hold of your boat and your fishes, he's going to take you into a world and you will look like a different person to the people that you started with. And it's not you. It's all about God's goodness. So what am I saying to you tonight? The prompting of the Holy Spirit is going to take you to an address, to a place, to a destiny that you have no idea what you look like 10 and 15 years from now. I am here to encourage you, to strengthen you, and to say to you, do not ignore the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And when you hear your name, it's because He knows your name. I want to end with what I said right in the beginning. The devil knows my name, but he calls me by my sin. But God knows my sin, but he calls me by my name. He's got your name, sir. He's got your name. He's got your name. You noticed that last night when you got that word. He knows who you are. When I prophesied to you, I just gave you a little bit of a little bitty word just to give you hope. And when you get the word, you say, oh my goodness, he knows me. God gives you enough for you to realize he knows exactly who you are. And he prompted you. Because he sees you in Acts 2. He sees you in your own kind of an Acts 3. And he already sees you coming 
out of the prison in Acts 11, a situation. He already sees you writing 1 Peter. He already sees you writing 2 Peter. He already sees you walking in agape love. And he already sees you leaving the fascinating love for the real love. That's who he is. Isn't that amazing? And I wish I could look every one of you in the eyes because she got a word last night and she wept and I gave her what God showed me. But God says, I would like to have breakfast with you. And I promise you, I'll give you fresh tilapia and good toast. But remember, when I'm done with the tilapia and the toast, I want to talk to you. I just want to ask you some questions because you don't know what you look like in the future. But I know because I am the Son of God. I am flesh, but I'm also God. You can only see today. I already see your next 20 years. That's why I'm prompting you. Everybody say, Lord, thank you that I'm fascinated with you. But give me more than just fascination. Let me love you so that I will ultimately become the person that you can already see in my future. How many of you believe that you have a future that is still unknown to you? But the prompting in your spirit is a confirmation he's not done with you. Amen? Tonight I was sitting in my hotel room, and I'll be honest with you, I'm tired. And it was about five minutes after six. And I knew I'm going to leave now soon for the church. And <clears throat> I was listening to music. And I had worship music on. And the next moment, tears came into my eyes. And I just felt the presence of Jesus. And I sat there. And I said, Lord, thank you. Tonight I'm going to talk to them about the prompting. Their name. Lord, here I sit, and I just feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And as I started to weep, I said, Lord, thank you that you still prompt me. My days is not over yet, because you will not stir me up if you don't have me to say something tomorrow and the week after and the week after. I'm here to pick you up and say to you, he knows your name. <laughs> he knows your name. And uh, you know, if, 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 if I was Jesus, and I, and I was in John 21, And I, and I need to ask Peter questions because I'm the San, San, Sanhedrin and I'm going to ask Peter questions. You know what I would have asked Peter? I would have said, hey, Peter, do you still have a temperament problem? Peter, are you still getting angry? Peter, how are you doing with the, with the foreigners lately? 
Because Peter, I just want to check on you because I know that was your weakness, Peter. And I, Peter, I will not approve you for ministry. Because I, Jesus did not bring up the past. He does not bring up the past. He knew that if the love level is where it should be, he will die for me. You see, when you, when you go from phileo love to agape love, Jesus knows that your denying days is over. The days that you will treat foreigners bad is over. The children is now safe because you're a man of the Holy Ghost now. All areas in your life is now safe. Oh, my goodness, I need to stop. How many of you can honestly say that you feel the prompting of the Spirit tonight? Ma'am, I just noticed that you lift your hand, and you lifted it two minutes ago as well. I also noticed that you have gray hair. That tells me that your, your earthly vehicle is not, you're not 16 years anymore. But you know what is a beautiful thing? It's not how old you are. It's the prompting that tells me he's not done with you. Who was that guy that stood in front of the mountain? Give me this mountain. Caleb, thank you for the music. Caleb was 85 years old when he stood in front of the mountain. He was 40 years old when God empowered him, God called him, but God gave him the promise. But now he's 85 and he's standing in front of the mountain. And he said, I am just as strong today as the day when God spoke this word over me when I was 40 years old. What am I saying to you? The prompting will keep you young so that you will take the mountain when other people's already prepared for a funeral. And he got that mountain. Come on. How many of you say yes for the prompting? <laughs> How many of you are ready for breakfast with Jesus? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. How many of you are willing to say, Lord, you can take my fishes, you can take my boat, you can take it, Lord, <laughs> because you are God. He's not done with you, ma'am. The devil has already called out certain things in your life and tell you it's over, it's done. God says it's not over. You're sitting here tonight and you wonder, is there really a prompting of the Holy Spirit still in my life or am I just really at the last chapter of my life? God says, you came to this meeting when other people stayed home because there's still a faith in you that believes that God can extend your life. And Father, I just speak extension over her. I speak expansion and extension over her in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, touch her tonight and let her see the glory of the Lord and let her know that God is not done with her in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
Father, I thank you that you are not done with this couple. What do you do for a living? Home inspections. And you, ma'am? You homeschool? Home inspections is not your real thing, you know. You came to the wrong meeting. My hand is upon you. I've got a greater task for you. God says there will come a day that you will leave the boat of home inspections. And God says soon and very soon you will catch your last fishes. For the Lord says, son, I have called you and you know it. But your frustration level is busy to build up and it's getting to a point where it's going to boil over. And you're going to say, I can no longer do this. I need to say yes for the greatest call. I'm not done with you, sir. <laughs> you thought at one point you can get away from it, but now you realize you could not. And tonight's, this preaching is actually a summary of what's going on with you. I have called you. I will turn you upside down. You will not be fascinated with me. You will love me. And you will preach my gospel. I have called you. I'm not about to call you. I've called you long ago. There's a season that you could still do the fishes, but God says there come a day that it will be men and not fishes. And Father, I thank you tonight that the prompting of the Holy Spirit is so strong in Him. Father, and I thank you that whatever they saw in ministry that they don't like, that they will not run away from ministry because they saw things. God says, daughter, you will never get away from it. You will never get away from it. <laughs> the Lord says, I have even allowed some bad days so that I can come into your boat and give you a good day. Luke 5, verse 2, Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake, fishermen gone washing their nets. God says, you had pictures like that. You had days like that. And Jesus said, I saw them. And it's in the days when you are down and out and it doesn't work, things doesn't work out, that I come in and I say, let me teach my kingdom from your environment and I will turn it around. Come on, your days is over of not knowing. You know now that there is a greater picture for you, for both of you in store. I have called you. Hear the word of the Lord. John 21 is about to come to an end. You've answered the questions. I now prepare you for Acts chapter 2. And the Lord says once Acts chapter 2 come in your life, 
you're already filled with the Holy Spirit. You already speak in tongues. I'm not talking about that. But God says the, bo- the day will come that the fire in you will become so strong that you will stand up and you will say, I have the word of the Lord for this hour. And you will preach. And people will say, the finger of God is upon him. And his moment has now come. And Acts 2 will become Acts 3 and Acts 11 and Acts 10, 27 and 28 and First Peter in 2 Peter, the Lord says your days are numbered in what you do, but you have plenty of days in the pulpit. This night is an appointment with God. Isn't that beautiful? I know some of you say, oh, Pastor Andre, I would like to have a similar word or just something with that kind of dynamite in it. Be careful. It's a huge responsibility. It's nice to receive it. It's a different story to walk it out. I'm standing in front of you as somebody that hadn't had a night like this And now I'm 42 years into it, and I fly, fly, fly. (laughs) Father, I thank you. You are awesome, Jesus. Pastor, the Lord has just confirmed to them. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And even you, sir, you have a twofold mantle upon you. I will bless you, I will give you business. I will give you earthly possessions. I will give you everything your heart desire. But my hand is also upon you. And if you are a lay preacher or whatever preacher, but you will always have the touch of God upon your life. And God says you are a respected man in the house of the Lord. You can be a man of God any day. The quality of life that you live is so awesome. But God says, I will bless you with a twofold purpose in life. Business, money, property, but a man of God. How that's going to work, I have no clue. I'm just telling you what God shows me in Jesus' name. And your son, that big guy, the hand of the Lord is upon you. You've opened up the last 12 months like a flower. You've exploded. You have a new authority on you. You have a boldness on you, and the Lord says you will release wisdom out of your 18-year-old, 18-year-old lips that people will say, how does he know that? He does not speak like an 18-year-old. He speaks like somebody that's 38 years old. Amen? And you are watching your brother. You will not watch him for too long. Then he will watch you. Because you're the youngest sister at the moment. And you say, there goes my brother. There goes my brother, my brother. He's my brother. And when people talk about him, you say, he's my brother. God says there will come a day soon that he will say, that's my sister. Because the Lord says, I have my hand upon you as well. And they sit in things when you're alone that you are critical of regarding yourself. 
shake it off. When you close the door and you're alone in your room, you battle one or two things. Maybe you've mentioned one or two to your mom already, but you battle something. God says, shake it off. Whatever you battle will never hold you back. I'm not talking about weird stuff here, so don't you now try to fish. Wow, I wonder what is God saying to her. Oh, she's got an addiction. No, none of that. It's, very, it's something very simple, none of your business. God says, shake it off. You're going to come out of your room, and you're going to change into a different woman. And your brother will say, what happened to her? No, she's just two years behind you. But there will come a time that she will be equal as anointed as you are. You are raising two incredible kids. Is that all you have, two of them? Too late for more now, but don't get nervous, okay? She's now laughing the laugh of unbelief like Sarah. <laughs> She's not, she, that, because that, that laugh reminds me of Sarah, you know, but I think that's the way Sarah laughed, you know. But don't worry, don't worry, you know. Don't worry, nothing will happen. Amen. <laughs> Your best days is coming. Amen. Come on, church. I want to pray for everybody, but I cannot. The, t- the time is running out. You've been here. I spoke to you. Yes, I know. I spoke to you, Nadia. I can't believe it. I remember your name. Yeah, God has given you a great word last night. Amen, Nadia. Hang on to it, okay? There's many others. You, I spoke to you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. She gave me a word tonight. I received an incredible word last year in a church in College Station, Pennsylvania. Incredible word. And you basically summarized that word tonight. I needed that. Thank you. I needed that. Thank you. Amen. God bless you. That, that your son? Your wife? You look so young, brother. I don't say that she looks old, but man, you look. And do you have children? Five. And you are 33? Wow. Please stop. Is that your goal? We'll make it a stop sign, not a goal. Not a stop sign, not a goal. <laughs> wow. You Arkansas are busy. Bless them, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Who are you, ma'am? Melissa. And who is this? Your mother. Are you married? Do you want to marry? Do you have a boyfriend? You do. Where is your boyfriend? He's not here. Do you think he's, he's, he's married material? You try to figure that out. Well, the first thing, how we can figure it out, let him come to church. Amen. Father, I bless her in the name of Jesus, and I thank you, Lord, that she will not be pushed into anything, and she will measure things with the measuring stick of the Holy Spirit. 
because she is not cheap, and she's a woman of God, and a woman of God needs to be respected. And Father, I thank you that she's in good hands, and the Lord will make a way for her. You have a heart for older people as well. You have a heart for broken people. You have a heart for the outcast. You have a heart for people that battle and suffer. God says, I have given you a heart that has a burden on it for people in general. Father, let it become the thing that she will do in her life by helping other people, strengthening other people, and, and care for the elderly. Amen. Father, I bless her in Jesus' name. Let it become almost like a ministry, Father. We give you praise. Amen. Church, I'm so sorry I'm keeping you so long. I know you want to go home. But you know what? I'm stuck in my hotel room. So this is my outing of the day. I go, I eat once a day with a pastor, and then I come here. That's my, so I'm so glad I'm coming, I can be here. Amen. If I stop this, I need to go back to the room. I've, I've ministered for you last night. Did I? I saw you last night. Where did I see you here? Yeah. It's the only place I've been today, <laughs> this week. Bless them, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Who are you, sir? Are you from this church? That's great. And you're not afraid of the storm. <laughs> He's not led by storms. Amen. You made a lot of notes, I see. You like the word? Of course. It's awesome. Are you married? No. Father, I pray that for provision. I pray for provision. You had to make tough decisions in your life, and you had to come to a conclusion and uh, just made a decision of how you will walk life and how you will do life. Um, there's some people that is trying to talk you into certain things, and will you do this, and will you consider this, and will, have you ever thought about this? And you say, no, 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 at this point, my focus is on the Lord. Uh, it's the Lord and I, and, and I and the Lord. And Father, I thank you that you're going to give him wisdom to make the right decisions um, and not be hasty and that no man push him into anything. Because it's almost like people want to help you, but it's God that needs to help you, not people. There's certain things that people can do for you. There's certain things that only God can do for you. And the, the, there's certain needs in your life that no man can fill that need. God must do it or it's not done. If God doesn't do it, don't get involved. Bless him, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Pastor, I think this is it. I hope, I hope you got the word. Amen. Who are you, ma'am? Elizabeth. You know Elizabeth in the Bible? Wow. Ma'am, much tears, brokenness. Been treated very badly. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. You've been called names. God says it's almost like uh, uh, it's almost like uh, a nervous attack that can. What is the word? Uh, a panic attack. Yeah, panic attack. Panic in your life. There's there's a lot of panic, fear. Uh, incredible stress. It's almost like you're afraid. 
It's almost like you've lost your confidence in certain people. You're sitting here tonight, but you are actually so stressed out. And Father, I pray tonight that you're going to break this thing over her and you're going to set her free. You're actually a very smart person. You are actually, you're, you're very smart, you're very detailed. Um, you're a person of order. You have direction. You, you don't like things to be messed up. You don't like things to be messy. You are very organized. But your confidence has been rocked. Your foundations has been shaken. You're a lady, but not always been treated like one. You're a woman in the true sense of the word, but not always being treated. And God says there's tough questions and tough decisions, and there's ideas that you're playing around with. What shall I do? What shall I not do? Shall I? Shall I not? God says, let my peace direct you. There, come, there comes a point that you can take it. There comes a point that you cannot handle it. And the Lord says, I will not allow you to be misused. And Father, I pray that you will give her wisdom and that you will, she will make tough decisions in a moment when it needs to be made. And if someone dared to criticize you, it's because they will simply not know what they're talking about. Because you were thinking about the future. You were thinking about what shall I do at that point? What shall I do if it gets to that point? What shall I do if this and this and this happen? Then I'll have to make decisions. God says, when circumstances force your hand, I will give you wisdom to make the right decisions. And you will have people that will stand with you in the midst of the storm. In Jesus' name. Tonight, I break the fear over you. And I say to you, peace. Peace will come to you. The peace. Shalom. Shalom. The peace of Yeshua. Jesus Christ. It's your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. It's so quiet in this church. Are you always so quiet? You guys are not married yet? Do you plan to marry? You're not sure? It is the plan. Now, where did you meet her? Are you from here? Okay. But, but you are not from here now. You are from? Brian. How far is that? Isn't that where the other church is? No. But you are now also in Bryan? You're close to Little Rock, but you're actually from here. Kind of. Oh, come on, man. You are from here, but you're never here because he's not here. Yeah, come on. Father, I pray <laughs> you will direct their footsteps. I mean, this is a big guy. I mean, he's tall. Huh? You haven't noticed it? Open your eyes. 
Father, I thank you for your hand upon them, and I thank you that you will lead and direct them, and I thank you, God. You're already talking about dreams in the future. You're talking about stuff. Whoa! Hey, stop a little bit. You guys are, you are really dreaming about the future, talking about future events and future things. It's all good. It, you know, don't, don't lose that Joseph dream, but man, I can, I, can, I can already see where this thing is going. Father, I bless them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. This is your little girl. Okay. Amen. <laughs> Give God praise. I must stop now, Pastor. Thank you. Church family, let's stand up tonight and let's just take a moment of closing in prayer. God, tonight, I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 14, where the apostle said, He that prophesieth speaketh unto men edification, exhortation, and comfort. And tonight, through the prophetic gift, our bodies, this group of believers has been edified. We've been exhorted to love Jesus with agape love. And we've been comforted in the challenges that we face. Hope's been restored. Reminders of callings and giftings that your word says that you have never forgotten. Steps have been ordered. Fears have been bound and driven away. Promises have been made that we have to hold to, God, or we know the enemy will try to steal them from the very fingers or from the very heart in which they've been deposited. So tonight, God, we're so thankful. Well, we're so grateful that you sent man of God to us. I remember that Galatians 3 says it's by the Spirit of God that someone ministers. And tonight, we know no man after the flesh. It was your spirit that called deep to deep. It was your spirit that compelled us. And it was your spirit that ministered to us tonight. So, Lord, we're so thankful. God, whether in, uh, uh, the man of God or a man of God laid a hand on our head or not, all of us were comforted because your word says when one member rejoices, we all rejoice. So we were all strengthened by what we heard tonight. And we're so grateful. Now, God, my Father, before we... Close these doors before they turn the lights out, before people get in their vehicles. We believe it's our last responsibility tonight to say, God, let Godspeed go with Pastor Andre. Because as he's already said, another plane ride tomorrow. Most probably another plane ride Saturday. God, the journey continues. Fatigue is still pre prevalent. It's still present. Still there. God, I pray that you continue to compel him. You continue to constrain him to get in the ship, to continue to do what you've called him to do. Bless he and Naomi. When they have time together, God, let them be refreshed. 
Father, let them be renewed in every area of their life, God, in every area. When they go into the church, the next, whether it's a great church, a great cathedral, thousands of people, or if it's a rainy night in the hills somewhere like he is here tonight with just a small group of people, we're going to believe that the prophetic gifting is still going to be present and it's still going to be active. Like Samson of old, when he shakes himself, the anointing will fall. So we're thankful for it tonight. And what I bless him with tonight for my place of undergirding him with the voice of this church family, we're just grateful. We're just grateful to be able to aid him in fulfilling his ministry mandate, God. So we love you tonight. Thank you. And if we say it tonight, I pray it is not with filial love, but it is with agape love. We stand in awe of the love of God tonight. And as John would later write, we love him because he first loved us. And so we're thankful for this time. In Jesus' name, all of God's children said amen and amen and amen. Thank you so much, church family.